You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, Tonight we're joined by someone who I actually first discovered on screen. Uh, For those of you who have been with Break a Bat since the beginning, you know that I have a bit of an affinity for a certain show called Glee, uh, at least the first four seasons of it. Uh, Anyway, uh, it's ironic. Her appearances in the third season actually marked her debut in show business thanks to her strong showing on the Glee Project. Uh, which earned her a spot on the season three roster on the baseball front. I like to compare that one to being a September call-up and doing well enough to make the playoff squad. Uh, She's since cultivated a great career on stage out in her native California on screen as well. And uh, back in February, she had actually made her Broadway debut in Wicked as Elphaba, a role that's such prime real estate here on Broadway that you might compare it to playing center field for the New York Yankees. Uh, We're really happy she could join us tonight. So with that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just be on the marquee, now batting Lindsay Pierce. Lindsay, welcome to Break a Bat. Thanks for having me. (laughs) That was the most amazing intro ever. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I have no shame whatsoever. I love Glee. I have, you know, the complete series box set over there. So like, you know, if I'm going to start with anything, I'm going with my favorite right away. Understandable. Uh, that, the, especially those those four those first four seasons, a lot of people hold really close to their hearts. They were just something really no shade to the other parts of the season. I didn't watch past season three or four, I don't think, but yeah, I it's I get messages a lot about about that time in television and it's it was a really special thing to be a part of. Now, I know that you have a lifelong love of theater. Do you think that the whole theater girl nickname tag was fair? Or how did you kind of view that while that was going on? Oh, my God. Oh, and Glee Project? Oh, man. Um, Oh, God. Let's be honest. It's been like 10 years. But I (laughs) honestly, I I really, I don't even know if it was so much like I was a theater girl. I was just like such a gung-ho theater kid when I was 19. So... I was just obsessed. I was obsessed with going to rehearsals. Like I was, I was at 19, the kind of kid that was like, I have a t-shirt that says I can't, I have rehearsal like that. I was that annoying in like that theater way. And, uh, hopefully I think I'm annoying in a different way now, (laughs) but uh, I was for sure an annoying teenager back then. I don't think they were wrong. (laughs) 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 No. It is pretty interesting, you know, it's seldom do I get to welcome, you know, someone from the theater world who was born into the game of baseball. I think that's just amazing because I know your family has a pretty big athletic background. Yeah, my dad, my dad played baseball. He coached baseball. Um, he grew up, you know, we grew up in Northern California. So a lot of his early memories were going, um, going and watching the Giants. And that's honestly, I don't think I've ever been to a baseball game that's a lie. I've been to one Dodgers baseball game, but I have pretty much only ever been to Giants games. And, uh, and when I was born, um, when I was born, I'm not kidding about an hour out of the hospital, I have three older brothers who are all athletes. And, uh, 
And nobody, nobody cared about me on my, on the day that I was born, everybody was at the baseball field. And uh, my mom took me from the hospital because my dad was coaching a, a game that I'm sure my brothers were playing in. And I went straight, I went straight to the diamond <laughs> right after, <laughs> right after I came out of my birth mom's womb, I went right to the baseball diamond. It's nuts. And I, and that's pretty much, that's pretty much like my only connection to baseball. I was like, I got there and I was like, you know what? As even as a newborn, I was like, this ain't for me. <laughs> <I'm> not down. <laughs> now, having grown up in such an athletic household, you know, I've always been curious. Um, I know that you and I were talking before the interview. You said you played sports for a little while mm-hmm. before you caught the theater bug. And, you know, coming from a family that was so into sports, how did they feel about you going on to choose the arts? I love this question because my... I. I really was raised in a family of athletes. I was, that's Kika literally growling. Did you hear that? Could you? That's Kika the dog, Badheads. That's my dog going, "Mm." (laughs) she doesn't like baseball either. I don't think actually, you know what? That's wrong. She loves baseball because it's, it's balls. She loves, she loves anything that flies through the air that she can chase after. But um, yeah, I, I was adopted into a family of athletes. My mom, my mom rode horses when she was young. She was a gymnast. My dad rode rodeo for a while um, and played every sport under the sun. Um, my brothers, my my middle brother Heath, is a it was a professional soccer player for the better half of his life, and um, all of my brothers played football, soccer, baseball, track, all of it. I think the only thing that they didn't really touch was like lacrosse and hockey. <laughs> That's the only thing that they didn't touch, and. Uh, and I played basketball once. Um, I played softball <laughs> once. I played soccer for a little while because um, that was that was something that I was always into was was soccer. And then, um, yeah, my parents they they knew they knew because I was an adopted child. They knew that I was going to be a little bit different than my brothers, and they were really really good about letting me desire to be like my brothers. I was obsessed with them. So I wanted to do everything that they did, but they were like, Oh honey, you're not, <laughs> you're not athletic. And, um, <laughs> and I tried, I had a lot of like ethic, I had a lot of like work ethic and gumption, but, um, I was not, I was not born to be an athlete. That just wasn't really my calling. And, um, they just noticed, they noticed really quickly that I was really musically inclined. Everyone around our family was like, Hey, she's, she's a singer. And, um, and one day we were, we were doing a, like an Ajax, like kids soccer tournament back in the nineties where, you know, you hooked your trailer up to a car and you drove across state lines to play other, play other teams in other States. And, um, there was a guy, this is when we lived in Portland, Oregon. We moved, uh, there for a little while. And there was a man that was walking between trailers, knocking on trailer doors. And my parents, I was a troublemaker. So anytime that a parent came up to my parents to talk about me, they were like, did she bite somebody? Did she, (laughs) what did she do? (laughs) Did she, did she break something? Like, and and it wasn't because I was like a vicious child. I just had a lot of energy and clearly look at me now. And, um, and I was always talking and getting myself in trouble and telling stories and just, I was a, I was a mess. And, a man went trailer to trailer knocking on the trailer doors and my mom answered and she was like, what did my kid do? I'm so sorry in advance. He was like, no, no, no. She's, um, she's singing in the grass over there and she can really sing. And it turns out that guy was, um, um, a, a Dean or something, a professor of music at, at Portland and the university in Portland. And, um, 
And they were like, okay, what do we do with that information? And then when we moved back to Modesto, Northern California, we, um, they decided to put me into this kind of musical theater training. And, um, and that was really it. They just watched me blossom. And I still tried. I tried to play softball. And then it was really, I mean, I talked to you about it a little bit on Instagram. I mean, they put me like outfield, like so far away. And there's, my mom has this story of me getting down, you know, the batter gets to the plate and I'm hand in glove, like sumo squatting down, ready for anything, ready for anything to roll to me, just like so active and so ready. And then my mom and my dad said um, that they watched me do that, look at the ground, notice that there were flowers on the ground in the outfield. And I took my hat off and I took my glove off and I sat down and started picking flowers. And they were like, you're going to get hit with a ball. A ball's going to fly and it's going to hit you in the face and it's going to crack your skull open and you're going to get knocked out. And they were going, Lizzie, put your hat back on. And, they, and from then on, they were like, no more. <laughs> Absolutely no more. And, uh, but that was kind of the great thing is um, being raised with athletes. I don't know. It taught, it taught me like a real like kind of, I guess, quote unquote, love of the game. Um, the, but my game, my game was theater. And so very quickly, my work ethic shifted to theater and practice and rehearsal and, and repetition and practicing on my own time so that I could get better when I went back the next, next rehearsal. And um, I don't know, I think it just gave me a, a tiny bit of tenacity. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I answered the question. <laughs> I think you did too. And I think what I took away from it was he got pulled from right field because of safety concerns for your well-being. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. God. Oh, I must've been so, I must've embarrassed the absolute hell out of them, but they, at least they knew, at least I gave them like a definitive, you know what? Not for her. <laughs> like they didn't have to wonder. They knew. Um, Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Now, let me ask you, growing up where you did in Northern California, do you have a lot of exposure to musical theater or some of the touring productions? Is it the cast albums? How do you get so hooked at a young age like that when you're not, you know, close to Broadway per se? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my My parents actually really loved musicals. They just weren't, they didn't have kind of a doorway into the world. So because we were so close to San Francisco and that's where a lot of touring companies would go. I think they went and saw Miss Saigon and Phantom of the Opera. And I think they saw cats at one point, which is the image of my parents sitting in a dark theater, watching cats and enjoying it is truly like, if that actually happened, that's it. That, that dream would float me for, <laughs> for years. And, um, and I remember growing up with like the cats VHS and getting like the Into the Woods filmed DVD with Bernadette Peters and um, watching Noises Off with Michael Caine and um, Fiddler on the Roof, Sound of Music. I mean, my dad loved films. And that was kind of their thing was they would go and experience it from afar. And I remember them having the, the original cast albums. And then I got into theater, um, really started getting into it. And they just kind of, gave me over to people that they knew would be precious with me and that would open my mind to more things. And then slowly it was like 
my mom and I going to San Francisco to see Les Mis on tour and um, being a part of any, there's a really big company in Modesto called like Yes Company, which I wasn't a part of, but I would watch the shows a lot. And the opera house that I trained in was called Townsend Opera. And they put on huge regional productions of Jekyll and Hyde, the Mikado, Madama Butterfly, you know, operas and musicals. And I was usually like an urchin being like, read about the hideous murder. Like that was me in the back, like just desperately wanting to be a part of the team. And, um, and so I kind of got, I kind of got that exposure in and out, but not until, not until um, I got a little bit older and, I don't know, kind of really plugged into that, the, the dream. Cause at first it was just kind of like this fun thing that I got to do. And then it was like dragging my parents along to see shows and making sure that, you know, that they were watching the TV specials and then they, and that we were <laughs> renting the DVDs and the VHSs of all the music. And they kind of led me until I was dragging them through the, through the lobbies of theaters. And uh, I don't think they minded. You know, it's interesting for us. I mean, you and I grew up around the same time. I feel like it was a pretty special era in the sense that musical theater started to get really cool. But, you know, you mentioned like, uh, you know, your exposure, you know, even to to the videos or to movies like for us, you know, I had a, a as you can see that Yankee jersey behind me, I, yeah. I grew up in a pretty athletic centric house, but my father loved Greece. So like, what choice did I have? You know, it's a gateway into, into theater. It's just, we grew up in a pretty special time because we had all that exposure to all this cool stuff that was coming out. And then obviously, you know, you think about our teen years, we had Wicked obviously come yeah. along, Hairspray, all that great poppy yeah. music that they've put in there. It's just, it's, you know, and nothing against, you know, the Miss Saigons and the Les Mis and everything that's timeless yeah. music, but it's like a good, a good blend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to grow up in a, in a, in a household that like had the musicals of the eighties, you know, Les Mis, Phantom, um, Saigon, uh, cats, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like in like the seventies, like Pippin and, 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 uh, and cabaret was something that I was not allowed to listen to because cabaret and, um, yeah, I don't know. And I remember my dad, once I really plugged in, I remember like Amazon became a thing, like Netflix and Amazon were still like Netflix was still a DVD thing where, you know, you'd like actually mail the DVDs back. And, and I remember my dad, for Christmas one time, there was just a huge box of CDs. He would go on to all of these like strange websites and get all these CDs. So I would open the box and it was like Wicked, Aida, um, uh, Phantom of the Opera, the new, the new cast album, uh, Jekyll and Hyde Resurrected, <laughs> like just crazy uh, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, like all of these amazing CDs. And he was like, I don't know what to do with these, but you do. <laughs> so <laughs> educate yourself and... And it was one of those things where I just put this, the CD in into my literal boombox, and I would um, and I would fall asleep to it. I would fall asleep and like wake up the next day and see what I'd learned by like osmosis, <laughs> just sleeping with the with the music in the room, and it was wild. It was a wild time, but yeah, it it was interesting to kind of expose my parents to the musicals that that they didn't necessarily grow up with, and um, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Now, what was your first trip to Broadway? My first trip to Broadway was not until, not to New York, but actually seeing a Broadway show was in 20, I think it was spring of 2014, 2013. I saw Bridges of Madison County, 
with Kelly O'Hara and Stephen Pasquale. And it, oh my God, it was I cried the whole time. I cried the whole time. That was the only Broadway show, actually funny enough, the only show I saw in New York on Broadway until I was watching Wicked for homework because I was in rehearsals for Wicked, which is crazy. I can't believe, I can't believe that. <laughs> Now you said in yeah. rehearsals when you went, I take it that you hadn't seen the show show then when you had gone to audition for Alphaba. I had seen the show one time in San Francisco in 2009 with Teal Wicks and Kendra Casabon. And the, the first act ends obviously grandly and fabulously. And, um, I I'd owned the CD and the only really, the really, the only basis of comparison for Wicked that I had was the, the booklet inside the CD. So I didn't know that she like goes up in the air, spoiler alert. I didn't know that there was, I didn't know that the monkeys were flying in the beginning. Like I didn't know there was a dragon in the room. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. So I really went in only knowing the music and not really knowing the story that went along with the show. I was, I was about to turn 18. I was 17 and it was spring of 2009. And I was saying it with my mom and Elfie goes up, spoiler alert, at the end of act one. And I was like, she rose and I had, I have chills thinking about Teal just going in the air. And I was like, Oh my God, I was so overwhelmed. And the lights went out and then the map come, comes back up in the little glittering Emerald city. And I was, my mom turned to me and she was like, Oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> and, um, Cause I was like, I was, I was mourning, mourning the, the young me that had never seen Wicked before. Like I, I was mourning my whole life before Wicked. I was so overcome with what I had just seen. I'd never seen anything like it in my life ever. Um, and I turned to my mom and I, she said, are, are you upset? And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed. And she said, why are you, why are you crying so hard? And I said, I'm going to do that someday. And, um, and now I am, which is a, a absolutely bananas thing to to say is reality. It's absolutely nuts. But yeah, I'd seen I'd seen The Lion King and Lamez and Wicked in San Francisco, and I I don't think I've seen any other professional touring Broadway production until I saw Bridges. And then when I went to New York, um, part of your job when you're in rehearsals is to watch the show to kind of one get a feel of what you're about to partaken. And then once you're in rehearsals, you can watch the show to be like, oh, that's what they were saying when I moved from three to six. That's, I get it now. Um, yeah. My second day in New York, I was sitting down in the audience at the Gershwin watching Jenny DeNoia do the role. And I was like, oh my God, is this really happening to me right now? This is nuts. So it, just insane. Really grateful. Now, having listened to the album so much, was, uh, you know, are you auditioning with the songs, you know, from the cast recording? And if so, do you get to choose or do you kind of have to do all the alphabet songs? How does that kind of work? Yeah, the the audition, you go in, you know, with your own book, like the classic Broadway audition where you go in kind of prepared with your own material. And then um, if you, if you're given, I'm not sure about, you know, like if you're like a non-ec auditioner or if you're equity, if you get an alert, but for me, I had an agent audition. So I was given a packet of material that was essentially the audition cuts of Wizard and I, I'm Not That Girl, and Defying Gravity. So all the hard stuff besides No Good Deed. No Good Deed was for some reason not on there, which is bonkers to me. And then uh, Two Sides. And so I went in with all of my own stuff as well as all of this stuff prepared. Um, and I think 
truly, I think it's just kind of a stamina game when you're, when you're auditioning, they just kind of want to see if you can do it. I've heard, I've heard stories of Alpha Biz auditioning where they, they, they sing like the same cut 10 times to be like, can you sing it? And, um, and that didn't happen to me. And I'm very grateful they didn't make me do that because <laughs> I think they've been like, you can't do it. <laughs> and maybe that's just me being really mean to myself, but, um, I can't, I can sing the stuff, but I was like, go, I went in ready. I went in being like, they're going to make me sing it like 12 times and then I'm going to crack and I'm going to be so embarrassed. And it was my first Broadway audition ever. So I was like, please don't, don't mess it up. Don't like, don't strike out like LOL baseball. But I was like, do not strike out when you just got into the door. Like you can't do this. You cannot be in the outfield and take your hat off ever again. <laughs> I was like, don't mess it up. And, um, and thank God I didn't. Thank God I didn't. But yeah, there's definitely material that they that they give you once they're like, okay, time to audition for Elfie. Yeah. Now, uh, I think that the support, you know, that you received from your parents all those years was just incredible. You know, I can very much tell how important they are to you. Did they get a chance to see you perform as Elphaba, you know, before Broadway had shut down? My mom and my birth mom did. They went to my opening and then... Um, put their names in for the, the ticket raffle, like every, (laughs) every night. I don't think they won at all. Maybe they did once, but they saw, they were there from Sunday evening until like Saturday, like morning. And they watched the show every single night. (laughs) My dad, (laughs) my dad hadn't gotten a chance yet. So he'll have to go back. Um, when we, when we end up going back, but, uh, I'm pretty sure my mom has shown him a bootleg. <laughs> I know there's a bootleg <laughs> somewhere and and my dad has for sure for sure watched that. Um but yeah, nuts. My dad my dad when I told him that I'd gotten the role, he was like, "Man, Linz, you know, some people work their entire lives for this kind of thing and this is your dream and you've worked so hard and uh, man, this is just like this is like the Olympics for you, you know?" <laughs> And I was like, it is the Olympics for me. This is big leagues. So yeah, he was, he was pretty proud. He was like, this is, this is essentially like as far as you can go in terms of uh, theater performance. And um, it's pretty cool. It's, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I've been thrown into this world that I have to get to learn very quickly. Um, so I'm just like soaking it all in as much as I can before I go back. <laughs> <laughs> Now you mentioned, you know, learning about a new world. You are part of two communities that I have a great affinity for, you know, both with Glee and Broadway. Uh, But I, I thought this show here tonight could be a good chance for you to become part of another special community for the baseball and Broadway trivia elite and join what we call the winner's circle. Do you know what that is? I want to know what it is. <laughs> I'm ready to know what it is. <laughs> well, we, you know, we have some good Wicked alumni who have joined the Winter Circle. Amanda Jane Cooper joined Jack, uh, Jackie Burns. So uh, it's your chance okay. to shine in what we call the seventh inning stretch. Okay. And I'm going to ask you some trivia questions, some Broadway, okay. uh, some maybe grammar school level baseball <laughs> questions, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe some glee as well. Yeah. And if you get enough right, you win a prize. How does that sound? That sounds l- like something I might be able to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like the confidence. <laughs> For those of you at home, you can't see you can't see me, but he said he said trivia and I immediately crossed my both my fingers and put them up by my face like please God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a great tester, so we'll see. 
Well, I wish I had, you know, kind of like that, like, kind of like that Jeopardy music or something like that. But uh, you don't have to answer in the form of the question. Yeah. Uh, do as best you can. And um, let's see if we could get you that prize. Let's, um, let's okay. start with a Glee question. And it ties over into Broadway. Okay. Okay. Which of your fellow Glee alumni has yet to appear in a Broadway musical? Is it Alex Newell, Melissa Benoist, Jane Lynch, or Heather Morris? Heather Morris. Ding, ding, ding. She's one for one. She laces a single to right field. She's on base. Yeah. Sorry, Heather, your, your time is coming. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's head off to Oracle Park for this uh, next question here. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just, and you can make your dad really proud with this one if you get okay. it right. I'm sweating. <laughs> yes. Which San Francisco Giants legend was nicknamed the Dominican Dandy? Was it A, Barry Bonds, B, Orlando Cepeda, C, Juan Marichal, or D, Buster Posey? Oh, God. Oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. What, what, was, what was B? Uh, B was Orlando Cepeda. I think it's C. Oh, God. I don't know. See. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. You're oh two God. for two. You got it. <laughs> Hall of Famer Juan Marichal, the Dominican dandy. Greg, please. Wow. This, Greg is the name of my dad, and this is probably the only podcast episode you'll ever li listen to, Dad, but please <laughs> tell me that I'm your favorite child right now. <laughs> please, Greg, please. <laughs> Come on, Greg. She's Come got some down. major points after that one. <laughs> my nose is running. I'm not kidding you. Oh, my God. <laughs> the pressure. Oh, of yeah. This is, you're going to be in like great shape, you know, going back on stage, you know, in a few weeks after yeah, this, this is, little uh, this game. Yeah, my metabolism right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm taking a pre-workout. Okay. All right. Let's see how you do on a uh, pure Broadway question. And, you know, it's part of your uh, Wicked lineage. In mm. 2004, Wicked was nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. Which competing show took home the award largely thanks to an aggressive and cutting-edge marketing blitz? Was it A, moving out, B, Avenue Q, C, The Boy from Oz, or D, Caroline, or Change? Wasn't it Avenue Q that year? Oh, I don't know. I think it was Avenue Q. I'm going to be, I'm going to make so, so many people so upset. Was it Avenue Q? It's Avenue Q. You're like killing oh it with your God. first guess. <laughs> thing is I specific that moving out almost got me because I, I I was listening to a story the other day about moving out and it there was something it must have been it must have been in conjunction with with this question but I I legitimately was like God was Avenue Q 2004 or was it 2005 um because I'm good with some dates but terrible with others so oh my god again I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> You're good. Moving out was actually 2003. And I'm a, you know, I grew up in Long Island. I had to throw my Billy Joel in there somewhere, you know? <laughs> that must have been, oh my God. Okay. Please. James. All right. You're, you are a great, like, first pitch of the at bat hitter here. And uh, for that reason, I, you know, the final question to bring you home, I, you know, you've certainly put on such an amazing showing. Um, and I'm sure your dad would be proud of you with this one. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> 
I got you. <laughs> Let's see. The New York Giants went west to California after the 1957 season alongside which New York baseball team? The New York Giants. Repeat that, please. The okay. New York Giants. The New York Giants. Yes. Now the San Francisco Giants went west to California after the 1957 season alongside which other New York baseball team that now plays out west? I mean, 1957? Oh, Al, I don't know. <laughs> now plays out west? Well, would that be the San Francisco Giants? Did well, they, the San Francisco like Giants are one of them. Okay. They, oh, God. I'm going to give you a clue. Oh, my God. The, uh, the other team, you know, is uh, the arch rival of the San Francisco Giants. And um, you might have gone to one of their games. I do not know why, but all I can think of is football team names. The only other baseball game that you've been to. Oh, the Dodgers? Ding, ding, ding. The Brooklyn Dodgers went out west. Wow. You got it. Thank you so much for literally, like, not just giving that to me on a spoon, but like, (laughs) here comes the airplane. Like, thank you so much. (laughs) You didn't just hand that to me. You, like, flew it right into my mouth and opened your mouth as I received it. Like a good dad. Thank you so much. Greg, Al is my dad now. (laughs) Oh, my God. The Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah. Wow. I, I would never, without your, without your guidance, I would never have gotten that. So thank you so much. Well, you know what you did? You did so well on those first three questions. The least I could have done was given you a, you know, a little bit of a, a spoon fed hint, but it's not the first time we've done that on this show. And it's also not the first time that I present you with this. If you'll just hang on one moment oh here. Oh my God. This is the best day. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Baseball Meets Broadway community with your very own Chapman on Broadway long sleeve t-shirt. You got the uh, Break a Bat logo on the back there. And you, you know, are now part of the Trivia Elite with Johnny Damon and you know Jackie Burrell, some of those names you oh mentioned God. before. And That's now you're part. I'm so happy to give it to you. Thank you so much. That is the coolest <laughs> thing. I wasn't expecting all the detail on the back. That's amazing. Thank you. You're I did welcome, not earn that at all. So thank you for that <laughs> very kind and generous gift. <laughs> well, we're just happy that you're here, obviously. And, um, you know, now you can rep, rep some New York while you're out west. So you come back to uh, New York City. And, you know, obviously when Broadway does open back up. We're look, look, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that Long works. Work. Too. That would be great. Now. Yeah. <laughs> So what have you been doing to stay on your game, you know, do, during the, throughout this whole pandemic, you know, for when you go back to the Gershwin? Um, it's It's been a lot of, you know, to put the nail on the head. Is that what the phrase is? Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> to be on the nose. That, that's what we'll use. Well done. She was an English major once. Um, I, I've actually been doing a lot of, like, physical conditioning because the, the stage of the Gershwin is raked, so it's lifted. Um, so if I'm walking backwards, I'm walking backwards up a hill, essentially. Um, 
it's pretty hard on the body. It's pretty kind of, it's like discombobulating on the equilibrium and the spine and like just the overall alignment. And within like five or six shows of my debut, um, I actually ran out for my first entrance and stopped and felt a searing pain go up my left side. Um, and I pulled my minor psoas literally that quick. I pulled my minor psoas and I, I couldn't walk. I was out for like five shows. And I remember, I remember standing there, you've seen Wicked, I'm assuming, in that first amazing green girl entrance when she stands there and everybody's like, oh my God, it's Opala. And it's like the coolest feeling. I was, you know, amongst applause, I was standing there and landed on my left foot and went, and I was smiling and I was like, I have two and a half, four hours to go. And you just shut down. Like, I was just like, oh my God. And I just kind of dragged my leg along with me through that whole show. And thought that it was just kind of like a zing, like I'd zinged myself. And then, um, and then the next day I went in and they were like, Hey, don't do two shows. Only do set, only do the Saturday evening. And then the PT guy came. Thank you, Mark. Um, he came and he touched my leg for like 30 seconds and he was like, Ooh, girl, (laughs) this is, um, he was like, this is like a football injury and it's super common. And he was like, and you just, it's just something that you have to stay off of. You, you just have, you can't, it's like you pulled your hamstring. You just have, you can't, you can't perform on it. And I was like, me, 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 me. <laughs> I was not happy about it at all. And, uh, and so I, I was out for like, I think from like Tuesday to Friday of the next week. And, um, that was really frustrating. And so kind of through until Broadway went dark, I was seeing chiropractors and I had a, a, a sports massage therapist kind of working on me. And, and since then, um, knowing that we will eventually go back. My, my physical health and like fitness has been basically to strengthen my lower body and to make sure that my hip flexors are really strong and that my flexibility is on point and my stabilization is really good because the psoas is so freaking sensitive and it takes one little turn the wrong way to get those little, those little muscles all angry and frustrated. And, um, Yes. And I've been, I've been running for the first time. I haven't, I I don't think I've gone running as someone who works out, um, since probably soccer conditioning in like sophomore, junior year of high school. Um, and I remember why I stopped soccer conditioning because it's terrible. Um, (laughs) but, um, but truly I've been, I've been running again and that's been, that's been really fantastic to kind of get the the lungs going because it takes a, quite a bit of stamina to play alphabet. I mean, you've, you've interviewed other alphabets. It's, it's hard. It takes a lot of physical effort, um, running and singing and the lung power and the, the back power and the body power. It's just nuts. So that's been something that I've been really passionate about is just getting, getting to the physical fitness that I thought that I had going into Wicked. And then the show Wicked was like, you're not as physically fit as you thought you were. And I was like, oh God, (laughs) this is so hard. Um, So that's been long story as long as I could possibly make it. I think working on my physical conditioning and my fitness and has been really um, empowering and exciting during this time because I got the time. I got the time to do it. And, um, And I've been teaching a lot. I've been teaching um, younger students just how to build a song and basic vocal training. And, um, it's amazing. I'm sure, you know, you know, any, it's amazing what you learn when you teach. I feel like I'm learning so much by teaching people the basics. I'm like, Oh, I don't even think I do that anymore. 
And so kind of going back to basics of performing and vocal technique and song building and, and building your audition book and, and monologue work and, and acting technique, it's been fantastic to basically go back to the basics and, and be reminded of um, what, what gets you there in the first place, which is the beginner, the, the beginner booklet. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, you were good. You were good. Yeah. Say anything about that? God, can I ramble? Jesus Christ! God, I'm so sorry. These are the best types of podcasts. What yeah. are you talking about? It's a gift. It, it's a gift, and it's a gift and a curse. This rambling of mine. <laughs> and you obviously had the gift of gap for uh, you know ver- since the very beginning, and we're pretty grateful for that because it served you really well. <laughs> Uh, you know, here with the Broadway community. Now, this new version of you, the extra physically fit Lindsay Pierce, have you (laughs) practiced any of the, like the defying gravities? Have you practiced Wizard and I, like, you know, feeling differently? And do you think you perform a lot better now? How does that work? Funny enough, I was was chatting with Alexandra Billings yesterday and we were talking about how this time away has kind of, you don't really have a lot of time to think about the job because when you, which is, I think, great because if I had time to really think about it when I was in my four weeks of alphabet rehearsal and then shot out of a cannon opening, um, I would have ran out of that building screaming with my head up above my arms. Like I would have, I would have lifted my hair off my shoulders and like thrown my head into oncoming traffic on Fifty Second, and then I would have run away. <laughs> like I would have been, I would have been absolutely out of my mind um, more so than I already am. And and I um, having this time to kind of just like think about the expectations and that I've put on myself because that's what I do. Um, and thinking, thinking about how hard it all actually is and taking it in and then replacing all of that kind of anxiety surrounding a difficult role with gratitude has been a really interesting and fulfilling practice. And now knowing, being able to go back in knowing what I know and being ready for it rather than going in and being like, Oh, <laughs> this is you. You picked up Joe Schmo, which is Lindsay. I'm Joe Schmo. You picked up Joe Schmo off the street and said, "Go be an Olympic shot putter." And you're like, mm. <laughs> "I don't know how to throw anything. <laughs> what am I doing here? Like, go go be an Olympic hurdler." And I'm like, "I have never jumped over something in my life. Like, what are we doing?" And um, and that's actually also kind. Of, I've been reminded of of this time away from theater has reminded me of how much I've actually done in my life and how, how ready I actually am. And that a lot of that was just kind of negative self-talk from within myself and naysaying, you know, outside of my circle. And, and that it's just, that's so worthless. It's just a waste of time. And, and uh, you know, but truly, truly like keeping my eyes on my own paper and keeping my head in the game and, um, there's that saying, you know, if you've got skin in the game, you're playing the game. And that's how I feel because <laughs> I've got literally my skin is green and I'm in it and I just, <laughs> I want to do it again. And, um, and I want to go back. I want to go back with a totally open heart, um, knowing that it, it's been away from us for so long. So I think it's going to be even more precious going back in, um, that perspective of total gratefulness and, reality check. I think that's going to be nice. Yeah. I can't hopefully, wait. You're- hopefully I do it better. <laughs> when I <go> back, <laughs> I've had all this time. So hopefully. Well, I'll certainly be there cheering you on. And uh, 
One uh, thing that we do to wrap every show is a little segment called Fastball Derby. And, um, you know, you've had a great performance tonight so far in the batter's box. And, you know, this segment, you know, kind of wraps it up like the ninth inning. Yeah. Uh, no more trivia, I promise. <laughs> I, was, I literally could feel the glands. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was like, please don't do this. <laughs> so think of it like this. I'm Araldus Chapman, who you saw, you know, enshrined on the shirt. He's the flamethrowing Yankee closer. Uh, heals the record for fastest fastball and I'm throwing heat and you need to get that game winning hit um, where you got to think fast so you could get the best pitch to hit, knock it out of the park. Even a single to right field would be great, but who's kidding? We want the home run. Uh, I'll ask you a question. You tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Great. Favorite New York city meal. Oh, um, Joe's pizza, father Demo square. Easy. You're on a desert Island. Which cast album are you taking with you? I'm on a desert island. Which cast album am I taking with me? It is going to be. Oh God. This is not lightning or fast or fire at all. Oh God. Okay. I'm on a desert island. Please edit all of this time of me thinking out. Cause I, you, you said that. And I was like, what are musicals? I don't know any. Um, <laughs> this audience is um, very used honestly, to people having to brainstorm for these <laughs> questions, so you are not I, the first, so let's leave it in. <laughs> I'm on a desert island. My The cast album that I'm going to take with me is, the answer is, okay, I guess we're going with this. The answer is The Scarlet Pimpernel. I love that show. I love Terrence Mann. I will listen to him sing Falcon and the Dive until the day that I die, and also that show's really funny. And I love all the French in it. That's my answer. <laughs> the, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> if you can laugh on a desert island, that's uh, that's yeah. that's pretty good in its own right. All time favorite film. Um, tie between The Princess Bride, duh. Um, and we love Mandy Patinkin in this home. Um, and. Oddly enough, The Patriot, is that wrong? That Mel Gibson film? My my dad, it was the first R-rated film I'd ever seen. And my dad watched it with me and he uh just he loved it so much. So I think I think that's one of my favorite films because I have such a great memory of watching it with Greg <laughs> with my dad. Team Jeter or Team A-Rod? What does that mean? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We really do have to get you over to a Yankee game. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Bear with me for a second here, baseball fans. So Derek Jeter uh, was the Yankee captain. He was joined on the Yankees by a superior player in terms of talent named Alex Rodriguez, who he started off as good friends with. And then A-Rod kind of ripped him saying that, he Jeter's never had to lead. You've never gone into New York having to worry about facing Derek Jeter when you go play the Yankees. Uh, and they became, uh, I guess, frenemies would probably be the best way to put it. At some points, they were certainly enemies. They have to coexist with each other for quite some time. Mm. Uh, so a lot of people either, if they had, they'll pick sides in the Yankee fandom. If you like Derek Jeter more, if you liked Alex Rodriguez more, you might know a rod is the guy dating JLo. I don't know if that helps give, oh, huh. give you an answer. Yeah, it, never, it definitely doesn't like 
Oh man. Uh, oh God. Am I going to be hated for this answer? <laughs> you could just go with what does that mean? I mean, that was a great, yeah, great enough reaction. As much. I think, I think something, something that I experienced with like Heath being in, being like an up and coming player in soccer was a lot of that back and forth of, you know, someone else has been there longer and, and deserves it, you know, more. And I get that. It's kind of to, it's kind of like Christine and Carlotta, right? In Phantom where it's like, well, Carlotta worked her butt off and she's been there for forever and she's earned this. And now this like rookie is coming in and all that. So I don't know. I'm kind of like the rookie underdog fan. So I'm going to go Rodriguez. Okay. With literally right. no basis. No. <laughs> it's either going to be me saying, what does that mean? Or me making a choice. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Actor or actress you've learned the most from? <laughs> Wait, what's that? Kika just went, mmm. she disagrees with my voice. <laughs> Actor or actress you've learned the most from? Um, man. I would, I'd probably say my, my best friend, Emma Hunton, she's a former Alphaba in the first national tour. Um, and she's worked her entire life. She's a she's a young Cosette in Les Mes, you know, onto multiple TV shows and was in Spring Awakening when she was like 16. And um she's just just wonderfully badass and takes no prisoners, says no apologies. And for a woman in the industry, that that makes me really like proud and excited. So I think I I think I've learned how to um grow a bit of a backbone from having a friend like her. That's my answer. <laughs> Most embarrassing on stage moment. Um, probably wicked. When I had been off from the show for five days, um, had rehearsed all my lines because I didn't want to go into the show and mess up. And uh, the first lines out of my mouth was, "What? What are you all looking at? All right, fine. Throw a suitcase down." we might as well get this over with. And I turn and I look at the Aussians. I look at the shiz students and I said, no, I'm not green. And that, and I, I looked at my hand, my green hand and I went, but I am green in front of 2000 people. And I'm going, um, and I, and I ate, I didn't eat grass either. And I, I've, I've always been this way. And the, and then the whole cast is looking at me like, oh, there goes the train burning into the side of a cliff. <laughs> and I just, the train's exploding. It's off the rails now. And I didn't know what else to do. So I turned and just like shot the attention onto Nessa because she was entering. Thank God. They were like, we should probably just go in. And I, and I was like, this is my sister, Nessa. <laughs> she like went on. And that was really one of the stupidest, horrible things that's ever happened to me. It was just such a bad flub that it wasn't even about saving it. It was like, just let her die and let's step over that body and just keep going. <laughs> it was so bad. And, uh, and, uh, the, the, um, the stage management office said that they, you know, cause it's just kind of background noise. The show goes on and it's background noise and, you know, everyone's writing and then they hear, no, I'm not green. And they all kind of go, 
is she okay? <laughs> What's going on? And, uh, and I had my, I had my stage manager in my dressing room at intermission being like, do I need to give you a note or is that going to happen again? <laughs> I was like, it's not going to happen again. That was so embarrassing. It was awful. Let's switch gears here then. Proudest moment of your career. Um, oh, honestly, probably, probably my debut bow, um, running out with Jenna Claire Mason, my, my Glinda and, um, there were people from my hometown, people from up here in Sonora, um, my moms, my best friends, my members members of the creative team were in the audience of, of Wicked, and I just I've never I've I never thought that I would come out and bow with a Broadway company, not just not just in a Broadway company, but as as one of the most iconic, difficult, wonderful roles made for female ever. So I'd have to say my Broadway bow, my debut bow. And lastly, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Um, see the gig and keep your eyes on your own paper. Yeah, when I was auditioning for Wicked, um, my vocal coach in LA happens to be an original Broadway cast member, which is just the most incredible luck. And my third coaching with her the week before I auditioned, I cried because it was so big and I'd never been in a Broadway audition before. And I just didn't, I didn't want to be an idiot. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, again, like I said, I didn't want to strike out. I didn't want to get booed out of the room. And, uh, and she said, honey, just see the gig. Seven minutes of seeing the gig. That's all you got to do. And I was like, wow, that is, that's really it. Just do the work and see the gig. And if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And thank God it worked out because I'd be so heartbreaking. <laughs> like, just like for, for me, for, the, for me this time, it worked out. And it'll work out for another woman and another, another person and another time. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we're certainly glad it did work out. And, you know, for once Broadway comes back, you know, to see it performing over at the Gershwin, um, it, it was so great of you to join us tonight, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for being so patient with my absolutely abhorrent lack of any knowledge about sports and playing sports and teams of sports. <laughs> Yikes. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org, because only together we rise.